All right, gentlemen. Watch out for when that rush hour traffic. Those old people that have lost their pay. <laughs> Welcome to Mark Mamba and the Mayor Podcast, where old guys rule. Two former teammates are teaming up once again to bring past stories to life. Today on the show, we talk all things Darlington Throwback Weekend, from favorite paint schemes to race ethics and memories throughout Darlington's history. What's their take on the contact between Joey Logano and William Byron? And get to hear from their personal bump and run scuffles that they've had with other drivers. It's all right here, right now. Let's ride. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mark Mamba in the Mayor podcast. I'm Mamba with my guys, Mark Martin, Jeff Burton. Guys, let's just get into it. it. Darlington was, there was a different vibe out there at Darlington. It was fun to be, it's good to see you guys doing your struts across the across the stage. I saw you looking good. It was great for me to be with my heroes, to get to spend time with Whitey Wilson and Bobby and Donnie Allison and, you know, so many of the greats and Leonard Wood and, and those guys uh, that paved the way for me you know, in my career. It, it's just like homecoming. It's always like a reunion to go to Darlington for the throwback weekend. I think it's uh, I think it's so important for our sport to recognize the past. If you don't understand where you came from, it's hard to know where you're going. And I also think that those guys that built the sport, it's great to honor them and to make them feel part of the present I think is really important. I hope that uh, in next year's 75th anniversary, the sport can do even more. Oh, yeah. Because they really did help pave the way. And in some ways, well, not in some ways, in every way, this sport will leave you in a second because you it moves on. It has to move on. And I think that, you know, some older guys that really put their whole life into it feel like it, it not just left them, it forgot them. And, and I really... I really hope that in the 75th anniversary, we can really celebrate them the way they deserve to be celebrated. Throwback weekend is a chance to do that, but I think the 70th anniversary throwback weekend is the perfect opportunity to blow them up as they deserve to be. I mean, throwback is a, a little microcosm of what 75. I don't think anyone's ready for 75. I know it's going to be like it's going to be a big year. So, all right, gentlemen, let's let's get into the racing and what we saw a little bit. I thought the Darlington race from Truck, Xfinity, and Cup was awesome. It was comers and goers. There was hard racing. The cars and how the track made the cars work, I thought was incredible, especially for the new car. Like The car held up against the lady in black, but it was tested the whole way. You could tell it was hard to drive. Um, you know, it, it, that place is incredibly challenging, you know, with the cars that, <laughs> that were easier to drive than than today's car so um yeah you saw everyone challenged all the way from the beginning of the truck truck race and by the time they got to cup practice you saw that but you know we've they've, they've never had a practice before that somebody didn't get a darlington stripe or a half a dozen cars you know it always happened in the in the first practice no matter what 
and uh, and that's part of Darlington. And it's hard to describe why that racetrack is so challenging. But if you just look at how the race car goes through the corner, and then you look at how that wall doesn't that doesn't form that radius like yeah. most racetracks have a radius and you run through the corner kind of equally to that radius but the wall is kind of wonky it's like comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out and man if if you're out at a time when it's coming back in and you're going as fast as you can go you may not have time for it to come back in. It reminds me of New Smyrna a little bit down the back stretch of New Smyrna. I remember trying to arc out into three, and then all of a sudden that wall bit me, and I was like, "Oh God, hey. going the wrong way." Well, there's a lot. Then a lot of people hit the wall going into turn three at Darlington because you're right against the wall and it juts out, and then off of turn two, the wall literally comes back into the racetrack. I'm gonna say th- four feet. And you know, that played a role in, in Logano and, and uh, William. And when, mm. when they had contact off turn two, that played a role in that. And that's Darlington, man. That's what's awesome about it. Thank God that new pavement is gone and it's back to how it used to be. Hope they never have to repave it again. You know, the other thing, you know, that racetrack has so much history. Remember, that racetrack was built before Daytona. And that was the super speedway. I mean, that was the first one. And then the history that went on there... There's not been many fluke winners for the oh, Darlington races. Yeah. There's not been many. There's been a couple, but there's not been many fluke winners. No. You look at the winners and the guys that lead laps and run up front there, that's the people this hall, this hall of fame is full of. For our new fans, there, isn't there a story behind why the track is – because it's not shaped like any other racetrack we have. Didn't we have to build around something out there? Pond. Yeah, there's yeah. a farm pond off of turn four. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's egg-shaped. Which used to be turn two. Right. When we when we raced, it was, you know, turn one was turn three. And I still today call it, I mean, I'll be in the broadcast, do turn three. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, one. <laughs> so they reversed the track because you couldn't expand the grandstands because the what is now the back straightaway is so close to the road, you couldn't add any more grandstands. Right. So they had to reverse the racetrack to put grandstands in so the grandstands are at the start-finish line. And so... Um, yeah, but but what's cool about there is there's still no fancy suites. Right. There's still it's God, man, that place looks a lot like it did the first time <laughs> I rolled through the that tunnel in the in the 80s. It looks a lot like it did That's then. That's cool. I was really nervous to go there the first time, you know. It was kind of cool being there. It's been a long time since I went there my first time, 1981. And yeah, it looked quite different. I was so nervous going there because I heard how treacherous that place was and everything. And and uh, funny story, you know, uh, what is presently one and two was definitely hard to get through, and it had your attention. But the other end was easy. And I was like, well, this is easy down here. It's just a regular old corner. Well, a little later on in the practice, I turned around down there. <laughs> I was lucky I didn't hit anything, but uh, yeah, the easy corner is the one that got me, lulled me into you know complacency. Yeah, it kind of got got him going. <laughs> Something that I think should come back is uh, for all for all races is when you used to go to Darlington, it used to be a rookie meeting every every week there'd be okay. a rookie meeting. But the one at Darlington, the in, the entire purpose for the one at Darlington was to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, 
Like it was, it was a, an older driver telling you, if you do this wrong, you're going to die. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they would, I, I can remember Ward and I coming out of our first rookie meeting at Darlington. We're like, damn, like, <laughs> we all right. Like we're going to be okay. Like they would scare you to death. And they used to have a, you had to do, uh, you had to pass a test. Yeah. To run like like you do at Indy. You right. have to pass oh, a test. Yeah. You didn't get yeah, to qualify yeah. the first day in right. Cup. When I went there in 80, I raced the Bush race in, in 81 and sat on the outside pole and finished fourth. And I went back in my rookie year in the Cup, and they didn't let me qualify the first day. So they locked in the first 25 the first day. And on the second day, you know, so I had to run for 26th on the what? second day. Yes, That's, sir. Let me ask you guys something because you guys are architects of, of, you know, your own race cars too. I know back in the day, you guys used to, when you went to this place, to strengthen the car, did you guys do anything different to strengthen that side? Because you knew you were going to bounce off of it. Yeah, they got to putting 4 by 4s on the outside of the door bars because at one time the door bars were out against the, the body skin, but then later on the door bars started being inside of the body skin a, a little ways. So they got to putting 4 by 4s in there to try to, you know, protect the, the tires, the wheels more. And uh, I don't know for sure if my car got that treatment or not, but I bet it did. I, I, we, I don't think we ever – I don't remember doing that, but that was common practice. Matter, matter of fact, Robbie Gordon got penalized during, you know, when the, the rules started changing about, you know, how NASCAR police stuff, he put, he put two-by-fours between the door and the door, and they penalized him. Like, it was a big deal because it was, you know, they had done a lot of research on what happens when you wreck. <laughs> you know, he shoves two-by-fours in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he got penalized for it. We're so. trying to get these things a little safer, and Robbie's still like, ah, you know, screw yeah. it. And, right. and that's kind of like Robbie anyway, right? That, like, that's Robbie. That's Robbie, right? Oh, man. So we've talked about it a little bit before, and, and I've brought this up to a lot of people since you guys brought it up to me, which is like how you race people and race ethics. Now, this weekend this, this weekend at Darlington, Joey and William, they got into it. So I didn't think what, what Byron did was, was egregious on the restart. Like, I thought that that was just kind of a racing deal. Uh, and it seemed like the 22 group, they just felt, they felt different about it. Well, what, you would if you were. <laughs> yeah, if you were them, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you would. I don't know. Like, I want to hear you guys' take on, on, on that back and forth. So, you guys probably saw a lot more uh, replays of the incident, um, you know, the initial incident. I only saw one, re- one view of it. It looked like William squeezed Joey in the wall. I mean, not hard, not crash, but... Dude, when you're on the outside of somebody and you've got your foot on the floor and you're going 140, 50, 60 miles an hour and somebody pushes you close enough that your right side drags against the concrete, that feels like they've wrecked you. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't wreck, you feel like you've been wronged and wrecked. And so my view of it, it did kind of look like that. But, you know, but it may not have been that way. Right. I didn't get to see enough. I want, I looked for other views of it, but I didn't get a chance to see those. And so, you know, I don't know. Obviously, everybody knows I'm not about bumping, running, and Joey has a history. So, you know, I might be easily predisposed to think that, you know, you shouldn't do that. However, you know, I do think that there was uh, some initial – you know, that was initiated uh, long before the bump and run. So because of NASCAR America that we do on Monday nights, I went back and watched a fair amount of footage. And the and the shot that I found that was the best was the roof cam of Joey Logano's. And off of turn two, William had him up against the wall to the point where he had to lift. 
And so when he lifted, now, remember, he's leading the race. He's leading the race. And when he lifted, that's when William Byron got the lead. So in Joey's mind, hey, it was my spot, and he took it away from me. I should be leading this race. Now, could he have, he wrecked him. Like, Mm. Joey didn't get wrecked. He wrecked William Byron. But I'm just going to tell you this. I don't know. you got to be really good to just say, okay, I'm just going to move a guy at Darlington and <laughs> them not wreck. It is Darlington. It's not yeah. Michigan. And you go running in the back of somebody, it's probably a pretty good chance they're going to get in the wall. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're halfway out of control every time you enter the corner at Darlington anyway if you're doing it right. Uh, you t- tap somebody in the corner, they're probably going to hit the wall. And Joey, I don't know if Joey cared. You know, he's seeing, he's seeing smoke, smoke coming out of his ears, mad had the wind taken away from me and that ain't gonna happen that's the way that went down what i want to know is when has that happened to you guys when have you for a win too right because it's different than if you're just you know running fifth or you're racing and that happens but for a win coming down to it put me in that moment for for when that's happened for you guys one time in my career is all i can think of same guy joey at Pocono. But you're on the receiving end. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, you were uh, getting it. Yeah, I'm on the receiving end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, receiving, like, because that's got, that's like the worst. That's, that's, that's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> Especially at, like, a Pocono yeah, when, when you th- feel like you've earned it, you know, and you've earned the spot and you've earned it and and somebody takes it from you in, not that you're faster than they are and holding them up, but just in a situation where they run in there extra Roll in extra, not probably going to make the corner without banking off of you. I don't. The only one I can think about was the first Xfinity race I ran for Roush. Uh, It rained at Richmond, and we, by luck, had gone there and tested. And so I had to start in the back because of, I don't even remember how we got in the race, but I had to start in the back and drove to the front stupid fast, like, it's just stupid fast because we had been there three weeks before and tested and there was no practice. And we, I mean, this game, like it's no contest late caution. And we didn't pit because it was just a few laps left. And it was Jason Keller and Mark were behind me and they were on tires. And even though they were on tires, I thought I could win. <laughs> and I think I could have, but uh, Jason Keller moved me out of the way coming to the white. And when he got by me, I wrecked his ass as <laughs> hard as I, you know. <laughs> Wait, so Mark, you were P3. You were <laughs> I didn't have to hit anybody. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then after the race, he had his, remember I don't, his crew chief, I can't remember his name, he's a big guy, and uh, he wanted to have a conversation. And, you know, I'm not big, but I'm mad. So I'm like, let's go, you know. And <laughs> fortunately, some people smarter and bigger than me intervened. But, uh, yeah, I was – other than that, I can't, you know, I just can't remember that many times. Watching you guys race, Mark, I can't remember a time where you were really, like, nose-to-nose with somebody after a race. No, it happened a, a few – a couple times, but it wasn't for first place, so the camera wasn't really on it. Right. Actually, my hero, Tony Stewart, and I – had a few words after the race at Texas and it was because I did something dumb and you know and made him mad and he you know Tony really really loved me and I made a mistake and 
you know, and it made him really, really mad because I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't make mistakes that I made. And so it made me mad that he didn't under, understand, he didn't take the, the, the answer that it was my mistake. Right. I screwed up. That wasn't enough. He was mad. Right. Right. And so that made me mad, frustrated at him, you know, because I, I messed up, you know. Yeah. So we, but that wasn't caught on camera. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where we both had such high expectations for one another that we kind of let each other down. Um, I, I got really mad at Montoya racing for 15th one night at Chicago. And I, I did a marginal move on him on the last lap for 15th. And he hit me, ran into me after the race. And that's fighting. Well, you know, that, you know, you might as well, I'm, I'm ready to go fist to cuff, you know, that's it. And so I, I didn't even go to my garage. I went straight to his, <laughs> parked the car, and got out of it and, uh, went, went straight for Montoya. So, you know, I had a couple of things there. Um, and, you know, there again, I asked for it in a sense, but just don't wreck cars after the race. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had a long career and for the most part, uh, the most I ever experienced really was disappointment right. in someone or, or some situation. It was just a different age. And Jeff will, you know, attest to this because he raced in the same age that I did. It was a, it was an era of respect and expectation from one another. And if you didn't meet one another's expectations, you had to answer for them and you, you might have to pay if it was a very, very big, if it was very far from the expectation mark, you might have to pay. Jeff, I mean, the one that I always think about is, I think it was at Texas too, though, is you and Gordon, mm -hmm. right? You and Jeff, which was, blew my mind because here are two guys, you know, very calm, cool, and collected most of the time, which Jeff, towards the end of his career, I really feel like he got really fiery too towards the end. Right. And yeah. So that was, I will never forget that. Well, I think we were both mad because we were racing for 18th, which probably you were talking about racing with Montoya. I mean, you're already pissed off. I mean, we're, in the, we're racing in the playoffs. We're running 18th, 17th and 18th. And we, you know, we're arguing over position and the caution came out and he was mad because I was racing him hard. And uh, he, swerved at me and it made me mad i stood in the gas and by the time i stood in the gas he slowed down and i hooked him and i wrecked his ass bad wrecked myself too and uh when it happened i was like you know i didn't mean to wreck him but i to be honest with you i thought i hurt him me yeah. hit hard yeah he did and um yeah so he came down there and i i you know my dad taught me never fight someone madder than you and he was madder than me because I, you know, I was like, oh, my God, what yeah. happened? And he, in his head, knew what had happened. And and so it was just two grown men pushing each other. But mm. but that was, uh, you know, that I was more embarrassed about that than anything else because, you know, had I meant to wreck him, I'd have been like, hell, yeah, let's go. But I, it, I didn't. I meant to hit him because I was mad, but I didn't mean to wreck him. Kyle Bush and I, one night at Charlotte, he, he got me really mad because – he put us three wide in a situation we needed. It didn't benefit anyone. It cut my left rear tire late, and may as well run 30th all day, mm -hmm. you know. And I was pretty mad about that. I had a few run-ins. Um, I was a little more fiery than Mark was. And, and Mark had more respect amongst everyone else than I did. You know, he was just a different stature of driver. And so, uh, 
you know, I felt like there were times I had had to hold my ground a little bit more, but I didn't have a lot of it. I talked to Chase Briscoe um, at the track, and we were talking about uh, him and Reddick's run in at, at Bristol, and he walked. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I walked down there. I was, I was expecting to get hit. I was, you know." And I'm like, "Well, good on you for like walking into that, like giving the guy, you know what I mean?" He goes, and then Tyler looks at me, and he, I apologize, and he looks at me and smiles, and he, I was like. I'm like, I gotta be honest. If I was Tyler, I would have yanked you. And I, 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 did, said, I didn't understand yeah. the response. I yeah, really, I didn't. I, I'm all good with being yeah. cool, but yeah. I thought that was too cool. Like I, yeah. I just Tyler yeah. should not have put that on his own shoulders. No, it was. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, that was way over the top. But you know, it was good to see him. Him take it well. Uh, I, I, I believe that deep down inside, he feels a little differently than than his reaction was. Good on him for his reaction, I guess, but that was a tough one. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to get your first win and you've been close, and this time you really got it. And there again, his one thing, if you've roughed somebody up to get to the front and then you get roughed up, yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah. If you haven't roughed somebody up to get there, it's another thing. And I just I, – I felt bad for Tyler, but there again, I have a little – spin on that because I'm pulling for Tyler Reddick. I think Tyler is incredible and uh, doing an amazing job, and I want to see him win, uh, you know, for Childress and for that organization, but especially for him. I like Chase, and Chase has already won. I'd like to see Tyler get him a win, too. Tyler's a future superstar. I believe that. He's a multi-time perennial winner. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And, and, you know, the one thing that I will say the one thing that our generation did do is that you did address it. I, oh, yeah. I mean, listen, cell phones are great and awesome, but I don't want somebody to text me. Hey buddy, I'm like, come see me. Yeah. And you know, I, I, Jimmy Johnson wrote in his, you know, wrote in his book that you know, I wrecked him at Martin's. I, I wrecked him. I didn't mean to wreck him, but I wrecked him. Right. You know, you race. It's going to happen. Yeah. And when the race is over, I went to his hauler, went into his hauler with all those guys in there. And I'm like, look, it's on me. I knew when I walked in that trailer, I was walking into his territory with his guys and I was exposing myself to whatever could happen, but that's what I needed to do. It was the right thing to do. And, um, we did do that. And when I hear people say, I get tired of hearing somebody called somebody to apologize. Well, what do you do when you screw up? What did your mom tell you to do when you screwed up? Right. What is it? Why all of a sudden, because you drive a race car, you don't have to be a decent human being. It's the stupidest thing in the world. When you screw up, man up. Just it, man up. It's not that big. If, if you just man right. up. Just man up. You're way better off. And and Now, you can't use it as an excuse. You can't continually do the right. same thing and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, you yeah. can't do that. It only you, works a few times. But And also, you we discussed, you know, when when we had difference in opinions. It was funny. I had to explain to Denny Hamlin when he came in. I had to explain to him, you know, because he didn't get it. And it was funny when he came, you know, when it when the roles were reversed five or back. six, seven years later, and he did. It was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because you know he had to learn, and now he's complaining about this newbie having to learn, you know. And so, you you did have to learn. You, your brother had to come and uh, you know talk to me once at Indy, you know, it's on seven cylinders, and I was doing some marginal. So I, you know, hey, we all did stuff we weren't proud of, but I was doing what I could do and needed to do to try to get a good finish on seven cylinders at Indianapolis. And I was up in the holler on fire. It was hot that day. And 
word come busting up in there. I had to answer, you know. I had to answer to, you know, what my actions, and that's what we did. We handled it those kind of ways, one-on-one, man-on-man, and very ra- rarely did it get more heated than that. Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick at Bristol. It started out in public, and then they went, you know what, let's, let's, let's go have this conversation in, in Chase's holler. Now, it didn't get finished there. But that really, although the result wasn't great from that, that's really the camera part's just theatrics. Yeah, yeah. Because once once the cameras get there, you act differently. You have no choice. I mean, even yeah. if you're not trying to, you act a little differently. And and not that it's a play, but damn, you know you're on TV. You know people can hear you, and it changes the tone immediately. Yeah, you gotta. There's almost like a responsibility. Now you gotta think about other things at the yeah. same. Like you're mad. But okay, it's Asia's social media. Like you guys are talking about all these things. Like my kids got to deal with this. Like my my what my my fat like my not just my sponsors. It's not just me. It's like everyone in my circle. Yeah, has to deal with that now, which is obviously something that really wasn't a thing before. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys can you guys imagine if in your in y'all's age and you know racing with the Dale Earnhardt's and the Jimmy Spencers? And then having social media like this up in your up in your craw after after a race with one of them, part of that would have been good. <laughs> part of it would have been really bad. <laughs> I had a hard time shutting. I mean, like when when uh, I wrecked Danica Patrick at Phoenix, didn't mean to, but I wrecked her, and I watched the replay of it, and I like got on Twitter after the race, and I'm like, all these people hate me. Right, yeah. and I'm and I'm like I've done this my entire life, and all of a sudden everything I've done in my entire life just got thrown out of the window, and I had to take a step back. It took me a couple of days to recognize, you know, a few hundred people, right? And then I went, but then in fairness, I went and watched the video, and I'm like, well, yeah, it looked like I just completely meant to record, mm-hmm. and I didn't. That's the problem with this is that with social media is that a hundred people can feel like the whole universe. And, oh man, and it's yeah. not good for some people. Some people just shouldn't. Need yeah. it, yeah. Uh, some people it motivates. I mean, it just depends on who you are. Yeah, it it hurts me. I mean, you know, when people are ugly, you know, it it really does scar me. I mean, it really does. And I, you know, this throwback weekend, you know, I'm so proud of the six car, for example, and the throwback paint scheme. And so, you know, and they posted on social media, and you know, some of the comments that were made were so ugly to, toward Brad. I almost wanted to kind of chime in, and I'm glad I didn't because I don't want to have that debate. But really, come on now. Brad Keselowski, the guy that came in, (laughs) how many races has he won and a championship? You know, don't tell him he can't, you know, don't tell him he can't drive and he'd take driving lessons from me. Okay, you know, it's like maybe I need to take driving lessons from him. He did win a championship. He does, he does. He does have one of them rings. <laughs> that is one thing. That, that is one thing. The current driver, and I, it's probably like this every generation. You know, the, the the fans of our era think that these guys can't drive. That's a bunch of crap. Yeah. Let me tell you something. These dudes, man, like we didn't have to do restarts like them. We didn't right. have to race like they do. They are so good at what they do. I have so much respect for them. And if you think that these guys couldn't have raced in the 80s and the 90s, you are wrong as hell because they could have. They could have done it, and they could have been successful. There's no doubt in my mind. It's not like other sports. Other sports, you look at you know the eras, and you're like, oh, okay, this guy might not be able to play in this. No, we're, yeah. we're, we're different over here. I, I want to know, 
you Mark, you just brought up Throwback Weekend in the six. How you got? You guys both had cars that you schemes that you had raced before. How, how does that make you feel? You you had the O two one too, right? Which yeah. I thought that one, I, honestly, just for what that means and and how that's the grind. That's the, that's your grind. Yeah, well, that's the rookie of the year, nineteen eighty two. Are you kidding me? And uh, Brett Moffat, you know, remembers. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. I can't tell you what it means. You know, it, it just means so much. I can't imagine what it means to the guys that came before me, you know, because I'm not that far removed. I'm, you know, 15 years or so or whatever. It means uh, a lot. And I really, I really enjoy it. I enjoy seeing the, the, the old stuff. And I was honored by three of them this weekend. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't have the words to describe it. Jeff, for you, it's, I mean, it was Harrison driving. Your, I mean, that's that's a whole different type of type of situation. It is, and you know, I I, I appreciate that Harrison uh, appreciates me. I guess that's the best way to say that. And um, you know, he does show me a tremendous amount of respect, and I appreciate that. As big, if not bigger, though, is that paint scheme was on the Wood Brothers car, mm. and so you know, I grew up in Virginia, and the Woods were gods. And the things they did with race cars and the drivers they had driving for them were <laughs> the real deal. You know, for Harrison to be uh, trying to cut his teeth in this sport with the Wood Brothers, then the Wood Brothers say, that's the paint scheme we want. That's really super cool. To yeah, me. that's really so, off-brand for them. I mean, they have so yeah. many, right? And they're variations of the same thing, which makes their deal so cool. Right. And for them to go, you know, way into it, and it's, you know, you – it's your son, it's Ford, it's route. Like, there's a lot of connections of history on that one car. What was your guys' favorite schemes? Like, so, not not just this weekend, but, like, kind of in general. Well, I don't know about in general, but I can say this weekend, I really liked uh, the 24 because it was so... It was done right. Accurate. Done I mean, it right. was, like, perfect. Um, I, I did like that. And, and for some reason, I really enjoyed the 43. Um, you know, just... You just can't, you know, just like Jeff said about the Wood Brothers, uh, you know, you just, you know, but Petty and the Woods, you just, it doesn't go back further than that. And it doesn't get any cooler than that, those two groups. Um, of course, I like the six in the, in, in the 48 and was incredibly honored. You know, Alex Bowman picked that himself. And I, you know, I asked him, well, you know, why? You know, why, why me or whatever. But uh, I guess there's some connection beyond just him, his first race at Las Vegas way back his crew chief brought him over to my motor coach just to talk about getting around that racetrack and stuff so he came you know came to me the the, the first time he was on a big track like that and and uh you know I took all the time in the world I'm always honored was always honored when somebody was interested in you know what I had to say or interested in my help so uh, you know I, I really dug that and it meant a lot that ally would allow that because people don't really understand. There was a lot of belly aching about, uh, you know, throwbacks not being perfect. Mm. And, dude, these fans don't understand. It's complicated. <laughs> you know, this sponsor, that sponsor owns that car, and they get to say what happens all, every single race. Obviously, we just talked about Harrison and that paint scheme. I will say this. Harrison had a couple really good stints where he sat there and ran with the leaders. Yeah. And he had, had good speed, had the same speed as the leaders. So he was sitting, he was lap down but he was running in fourth and i i watched all those races that i used to race at darlington because i mean it's my favorite racetrack and i always seemed to run pretty well there 
And I will tell you that there was times during that race, like I was back into the late 90s. It was really odd. Like I was watching that car. And remember, I was never watched my car. Right. But <laughs> I was watching it doing, damn, that's me. Like it was the weirdest <laughs> feeling. Um, you know, so that was that, that was, for me was my favorite paint scheme for, for selfish, really stupid, selfish reasons. All time paint schemes, like all time paint schemes, I like simple, like super simple paint schemes. Mm. And those Budweiser cars with just a white car, red stripe, Bud on the hood, an 11 on the door. Or what, I mean, I absolutely love those cars. And I would, I would sit in school and draw those cars, you know, on, but I love the simplicity of white car, red stripe. There's something, there's something pretty about simplistic. Like, like we're in this age of like, oh, let's get our crazy as we can get. But like when you settle it down for a minute, like honestly, for me, it was the one. I, I, I mean, the one car that Trackhouse put out there for Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. that throwback. To, I was just like, and at one point, I think it was in practice, the one and the 24 were chasing each other. And I was like. God dang, that is cool right there. Like that was, this is really cool, man. That's because you didn't have to go to Japan to race. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, out of the groove is a little segment, a question that's kind of a little off the beaten path here for you. So we just had, not too long ago, the NFL draft happen. I want to know if you could draft your team. You got a, you get an 80s pick, 90s pick, 2000s, and then 2010. Who would you, from each era, who would you put on your team? Oh, as far as driver? Yeah. Oh, man. I know it's tough. Yeah. Uh, 80s, you know, I think uh, Daryl Waltrip. Um, that makes sense. A yeah. lot of people forget Daryl was a he was oh, a he was bad, a bad man, man no. bad man. He was a bad man, and uh, I think Daryl Waltrip in the eighties and uh, Jeff Gordon in the nineties, for sure. What do you got in the two thousands? Jimmy Johnson. Okay, Jimmy. so who do you put in your ten? Who's your two thousand tens? I guess the tens would be would be Johnson, really. Okay, yeah, because he didn't get get he his feet. Kind of he, he was over. in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's kind a, of a weird one. Yeah. So yeah. if you went, so let's say you put Jimmy in the tens. All of our fans know who he is. Who'd you put like in the two thousands? I don't know. My man Jeff Burton was pretty, <laughs> pretty torrid for a short period <laughs> no. of time. For a short period of time, he was he was a bad man. Right. Uh, I agree with yours, except for I take uh, I'm gonna put Earnhardt over DW. Okay, in but, the eighties. But, but DW, the, the current race fan knows DW as a commentator. Darrell Waldrop was. Yeah. Really, he, he was, was great. on. He was yeah. great. He was on Earnhardt's level for sure. Yeah, the word "great" is overused, but but he was great. And you look at you talk about characters. I mean, talk about a character, like right? I mean, was he not like was he not like that like oh. all the time? Oh, he was like a professional wrestler. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, that's why I, you know Kale named him, named him Jaws. I mean, for real. I mean, he ran that trap, and he thought he was he 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 would call his shot. And everything. I mean, he was he was loud. He was a character. <laughs> he was loud. So I, I go Gordon Johnson, and then because I because it's hard with those two because they can go. They kind of go both yeah, ways. Yeah, both but sides. My teens, I go and I look and I, you know, I think Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Mm. I go those guys, and if I was 
building a race team, I I would take Kevin Harvick every day, all day, because I got to work with him the same way I got to work with Mark. And what goes on on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays matters. And the drivers that will put themselves out there and push to make things happen get a lot of results. And there's those that wait for things to be brought to them, and there's those that go make it happen. And Mark Martin and Kevin Harvick are people that would push the buttons to get what they needed. And there's a reason that if you think about Kevin Harvick, very few of his teammates can run with him. A lot of that has to do with what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not just Sundays. And for that, I want that guy on my team because I know he's going to be pushing to make things better. There it is, right there. If you want to make a race team, you need a hardworking SOB, and then you need some driving guys that can get up on the wheel. That's it. That's how you do it. Guys, once again, it's a pleasure. Good to see you face-to-face. It was a great weekend. It was fun. It was fun. We'll be back later on with Mark Mamba and the Mayor Podcast.